0: Hi, my name is Dory, and you're listening to a Public Podcast. If you want more information about anything going on here at Public Church, visit our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. You
1: know, as we are, are finishing our giving, today we have the opportunity just to continue our series called Our Mission. And last week, Robert Green kicked off the series with a powerful talk on unity. If you don't know who Robert is, Robert serves as our Okoye Region FCA director, and Robert is a friend of our church, and just what he said was really timely and really needed. So if you want to go back and listen to that talk, you can find it on our public church app or by just going to your phone's podcast store. But the reason that what he said was so timely is because unity is the foundation of our mission. We think about it, unity is the foundation of our mission and here's why. The mission of every Jesus follower and every church is the same. With Jesus' last words on earth, he actually established the mission. He says this, it'll be on the screen, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus starts out saying, hey remember, I'm the one in charge, now here's the mission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus concludes by reminding us that he is with us, empowering us to fulfill the mission. And if we go back to the middle, we we see what the mission is. And a summary of the mission is actually the words that are going to be in white on the screen. And it's simply this. Make disciples of all nations. If you choose to follow Jesus, this is your mission. And to help us grasp our mission, our elders have crafted a mission statement. Now, you may ask, if the mission for every Jesus follower in every church is the same, why in the world do we need a statement? It's because our mission statement articulates how we make disciples. As a church leader, I just want to own something that we often mess up. We often use terms while failing to define them. And so if today in our gathering we just said, hey, go make disciples, and you guys just walked out, Then those of you guys who may not have been raised in church, may not have grown up in a church, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, what does that mean to make disciples? And if we're real honest, those of you who grew up in church may not know what it means either. So if we don't define this idea of make disciples, then we're going to walk out of here and not know what to do. So our mission statement articulates what it means to make disciples of all nation so the mission statement will be on the screen i want to invite us to read it together ready go lead people to be jesus followers who worship connect and serve wherever they are can i be honest with you for a minute that was kind of weak you guys are 11 eleven thirty. you had extra sleep people come on extra coffee, good coffee from hospitality team. Can we just try that one more time and act like we're the 1130 and we're fired up to be here? All right, ready? Go. Lead people to be Jesus' followers who worship, connect, and serve wherever they are. Again, this is our way of saying, make disciples of all nations. So every church will articulate the mission in a variety of ways, but however they articulate it, we're all talking about the same mission. And if you're wondering where we get the terms, worship, connect, and serve, stick around, that's what the whole series is about. And in fact, some of you may be asking the question, if you've been around for a while, well, what's the difference between our mission and our vision? What's the difference between our mission and our vision? That's a great question. They actually complement each other. Our vision is our unique way to fulfill the mission vision is our unique way to fulfill the mission perhaps the next slide will help us see mission is the same for every church but vision is different for every church one more time to make sure we got this mission is the same for every church but vision is different for every church and here's what vision does vision answers the question how how do we fulfill the mission? So for us, how do we lead people to be Jesus followers who worship, connect, and serve wherever they are? We develop a public church that invites people to embrace the journey of following Jesus, which is our vision. So we're going to continue to talk a whole lot about our vision well beyond this series because accomplishing the vision fulfills the mission. Accomplishing the vision actually fulfills the mission. And so if we go back to just talking about our mission statement, at its core, it is an evaluation tool for us. So as a church, as a collective group, we need to use this to evaluate if we are doing what Jesus said, if we are making disciples of all nations. And here's how we can evaluate with this statement. It actually includes our definition of a disciple, which is people who worship, connect, and serve wherever they are. So the church, we got to ask, are we inviting people and giving opportunities for people to worship, connect, and serve wherever they are? And are we leading people to step into those opportunities? If we are, then we're doing what Jesus told us to do. We are fulfilling the mission. And at an individual level, we need to evaluate ourselves based on this and ask, am I really growing as a disciple? See, if we're serious about being a Jesus follower, a disciple of Jesus, then we can evaluate ourselves by this. And and really, if we're serious about following Jesus, then we should all be able to answer the following three questions. First off, how do I worship wherever I am? How do I connect wherever I am? And how do I serve wherever I am? Those are questions that we should be able to answer if we're serious about following Jesus and being his disciple. So those three questions are going to drive the series. So here's the plan starting with the end of the series. I'm going to finish the series by talking about how we serve wherever we are. But before then, for the next two weeks, we get the privilege of hearing from the two people who lead our church in the areas of worshiping and connecting. And I am so excited that next week our worship pastor, Cody Disney, is going to be challenging us to worship wherever we are. Can we make some noise for Cody and let him know? No, we... We are excited about that opportunity, and today, Colin Cook, who's our family's pastor, he leads our church in connecting, and he's going to challenge us to connect wherever we are. So, can we make some noise and welcome Colin Cook up? Well, good morning. Uh, I'm
0: going to be honest, so 9.30, we're going to have to warm up because I, I confess this upstairs. I, uh, I'm sharing a story with you here at the beginning that is just over the line, okay? And then I- I recognize it. I know it. I know where the line is. I'm going over it a little bit, and, and you guys are going to have to just come with me so I don't feel too embarrassed about it. So, <laughs> so let's talk about this. Uh, see I, this, this is going to be something you guys are going to end up enjoying, I think, that I'm going to confess things on a regular basis up here that normal people would hold in. Okay, normal people would just go see a therapist and be able to get through it. I'm going to confess it to all of you. Okay, so we're going to walk through things like that together and you guys can enjoy this. Um, so I'm a pretty difficult person to love <laughs> is where this starts. The, uh, not on a surface level. I can, I can be goofy and silly, but when you really get to know me, I'm weird uh, and I'm kind of embarrassing. Okay, like and, and so when I talk about going over the line, I do that on a regular basis and make things real awkward <laughs> real quick. And some people just don't like that. <laughs> and those are usually the people I like to do it to more. Um, but so I'm going to tell you a story real quick of something embarrassing because we're going to talk about loving people. And uh, I'm going to talk about how hard it is to love people. So I'm, I'm, I'm making this one fit because I really just wanted to tell the story. So I'm going to tell you guys a story of how one time if I had been pulled over, I would have gone to jail for a very long time. <laughs> oh, it got awkward real quick. <laughs> It's not what you're thinking, but it's worse. Um, so <laughs> so I, I had gone, um, a couple people heard this story recently, so when I start this, it's going to be interesting. Um, I had gone to go shooting with my brother-in-law at some property that belonged to my grandfather. Okay, so we went and uh, we were shooting, and it was going to be just the two of us for a little while, and then my, my, the rest of my family was coming to hang out with us, right? So we're going to have a little day out there at the property. And uh, so, we, oh, oh no, I just realized something, my parents are in the room right now, and they haven't heard this story, <laughs> sorry mom, uh, so, so, oh, this is way worse, so, <laughs> so we're, I'm keeping going, you're still getting it, so, so we're, we're shooting, we're having fun, and uh, it's getting fairly close to time for when my family's going to show up, right? And so I, I, I'm like, hey, you keep shooting. I'm going to jog down here and, uh, and open the gate up because we close it behind us so that they can kind of come in. <laughs> uh, so I, I start this jog. It's probably like a quarter to half a mile to jog from where we were. And I was like, ah, you know, it's good for me. It's fine. So I'm, I jog over there. Well, on the jog to the gate, I have a feeling that some of you have had whenever you have started jogging when you're like, I got to poop, right? Okay. So, so let's just go ahead and get that out there, right? This is over the line. I know. Okay. So... So I'm there. It's like it's like oh okay, all right. And so it's all right though. Everything's okay because on this property we have an outhouse, right? So I'm like no big deal. So I jog to the gate, and it's you know it jogging does not help that situation, right? Because when you're jogging, you're just causing things, you're exacerbating the problem, right? Everything's this, it's worse. So I'm like okay, so I jog down to the gate, open the gate up, turn and jog back. It's it's probably a good you know quarter mile back to where the wide, the, the outhouse is. I Get to the outhouse it's locked with a padlock. Okay, I'm like, okay, no big deal. The key's probably over here in the shed somewhere. It's not a problem. So I, I jog over. And Now, the problem is is it started getting to like mission critical on my way back, right? <laughs> Things were, were, were not easy anymore to contain <laughs> over the line. Uh, so, so I jog over here, look in the shed, find a key. Good. All right, let's go. Come on. Get over here. Sorry, uh, Judah. I know this is not easy to video me right now. Uh, and so I get, I'm nervous. My parents are here. Uh, so I get here. I, I try to stick the key in the lock. Not the right key. Okay. That's when panic starts to set in. <laughs> it's the oh, no. So it goes from jogging to kind of like the duck walk, you know, where you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> Good visual. Yeah, I know. Um, and so so I, I, I slowly, I get back over here, find another key. I'm, I'm really clinching now. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, come on, come on, come on. I get to the shit, to the outhouse again. Wrong key again. And I'm like, all right, come on, come on. So I think on my way, as I turn around, I think I'm going to go find another key. Halfway to find another key, I realize I'm not finding another key. <laughs> it is, it, it's, it's way past mission critical. This is like detonation, okay? And so I'm like, this is trouble. So I, I try to quick walk it. <laughs> As fast as I can, because this is like the family area. This is where everybody does everything. I'm booking it <laughs> as fast as I can duck walk away from where everybody is. I make a little ways out, and I just, <laughs> over the line, rip my pants down and try to like just just let things go, okay? All right, so this is where I find myself at a moment, and I, all of a sudden, I, <laughs> I see my family's car start to pull in at the end of the, the, the way, okay? So I'm like... Panicking because my mother in law is in this car. Okay, this is not just Ashley and my boys, this is like my mother in law. So I'm like ripping my pants up real quick. I'm trying, and so I like I run and sit down on a little bench, and I kind of just like okay, like real awkward. Obviously, was not just sitting there relaxing, waiting for them to pull up. So they get there. (laughs) This is where it gets real fun. So they get there. Ashley comes out, and she's like, Hey, what are you doing? (laughs) I was like, Um. I had to poop, and, uh, <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay, and I was like, I, I, so everything happened really fast. <laughs> and since everything happened really fast, I wasn't sure how hygienic I was in taking care of everything, okay? I was like, I want you to make sure everything's okay. <laughs> I turn around, she says, everything's not okay. <laughs> everything is not okay. <laughs> I, all right, again, just I uh, prepare I had poop everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Okay? So this this all right, so this leads to what happens next. I have to strip naked. <laughs> and wear my wife's scarf as a loincloth. <laughs> that covers only the front. And then drive home. Had I gotten pulled over, how do you explain that? I swear, officer, I pooped myself. I can't help it. It was an accident. I don't know what to do. Let me go home and shower. Um. <laughs> man, you get 9 30. Good job. You laughed. Um. <laughs> All right, so, so knowing that, knowing that your family's pastor, who is a grown man, fairly recently pooped himself. I'm not easy to love. You will have to tell stories like that to your friends. When you're introducing me to your family that doesn't go here, you'll be like, yeah, that guy, he, never mind. Um, (laughs) Because you're going to try to be like, no, this is really church. Like, we really do love Jesus here. He's just different. (laughs) He's a little bit odd. And you know the great thing about it is we have to love each other anyways. Jesus says anyways you have to love each other, and it doesn't work if you don't. This doesn't work without a love that is genuine, sincere, and close. This all falls apart. There is no such thing as individual Christianity. It doesn't exist in scripture and we can experientially see it does not exist in the world. Turn with me. I'm going to go to Acts or John chapter 17. We're going to read a few verses. If you're here with us and you're turning there, if you're here and you're a guest, let's say you're here and you're trying to figure this stuff out. Maybe you're here and just trying to check out public church, and I probably (laughs) probably ruined that part for you. But if you're here and you're trying to figure Jesus out, here's what I want to invite you to do during this talk. I want you to hear this and see if this is something that you recognize as a missing piece in your life. If you hear this and you're hearing about this, uh, this, this intimate version of connection, this community where people rely on each other, are honest with each other, and do things together and do life together, if you're looking and saying, hey, yeah, that is something I need, I want you to grab onto that and invest yourself in here to build those connections. Because I, my prayer is, is that your connections with other people at public church draws you into a connection that lets you understand Jesus and what he was all about. Because he created this community. So if you were going to tell Jesus uh, at the beginning, if you're telling him right before uh, what he should pray for the future church before he died, what would it be? So let's say you're, you're sitting here meeting with Jesus and you're, you're getting to talked to him. This is right before he's going to end everything. And, you're like, and he's like, hey, uh, uh, you, know, you right there. Yeah, what should I pray for? So we're going to have a, a roughly at least 2,000 years of a church that's going to follow this. I want to say a prayer for them, what should I pray? What would you suggest to him? What would you tell him? What would you tell him was the thing he should pray for? Would you say, you know, like, hey, pray for peace because we all like to fight each other. Would you pray for protection so that we wouldn't have everybody getting killed? Would you pray for for power to overcome lots of things? And I know that was all peas, it was an accident. But would you pray for those things? I, I, I think that's where I would lean, but that's not what Jesus prays for. He prays for connection and community. I love it. Robert's talk last week launches perfectly into this one. Because we're going to go through from from where unity stops, where unity kind of sets the the, the stage for this, to how that affects us as a local church living in connection with each other. So I'm going to start reading. In verse 20, it says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So this is Jesus praying for all future generations of his followers. He's praying for the church. This is Jesus praying over 2,000 years ago for you and I. This is Jesus himself praying for all future Jesus followers. He says that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. See, our first ever example of what connectedness is supposed to look like is what we see inside of the Trinity. Now, that's an interesting concept that's really, really difficult to understand. And I want to make sure everybody knows that, that it's, not, it's okay not to have how the Trinity works figured out. Okay, But what we have in the Trinity is we have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit as unique persons all in one being. So a lot of times what we'll think of and what my kids like to ask is, well, what was, what was here before God created everything? And then they'll, they'll wonder, you know, wasn't God lonely? If it was just God sitting here in the vast nothing, wasn't that weird? It wasn't because he had perfect relationality inside of his son and the spirit as they perfectly loved and perfectly supported each other. So we see this is the first example of what relationality is and what co- uh, community is. And so when when Jesus and when when the Scripture when Bible calls us to live in community, it is not say, he's, it's not God saying, "Hey, that's good for you." Even though I don't need it, He's saying I thrive in community, and you need it too. A lot of times you'll you'll hear it talking. You'll hear a. Uh, uh, becoming a jesus follower described maybe you've heard this as, as being saved I, I we don't use that phrase a lot because a lot of times it's one of those things that doesn't describe uh the, the tense very well because we we talk about it uh that sounds like it's something that was a past thing that that started and began at one point in your life and then ended also at that time i was saved when the when the phrasing really should be scripturally i was and am being saved and that's a lot longer to say right but a lot of times what we'll talk about, when we talk about salvation, we'll realize what we are saved from, right? We really clearly recognize, oh, man, I was lost. I, was, I, I had like, all kinds of problems. I had struggles. I had lots of stuff that was in my life that didn't belong there, and I needed forgiveness. I was saved from that. And we don't talk often enough about what we're saved into. You see, what Jesus does, he doesn't just come and set captives free and say, all right, bye. He grabs their hand and says, now join my family. Come in here. So we're saved to something. He says in the next part, in the next part of the verse, that they also may be in us. All right, this is outstanding. This is ridiculous. You have this perfect relationality that Jesus is describing, where it's the perfect father son relationship, the perfect relationship where we have the Holy Spirit. And it's it's this amazing, perfect relationship. And then he looks at us and says, I want you in with me. This is the adoption of Jesus' followers into God's family. An invitation to the only perfect relationship that has ever existed. With all the feelings that I've hurt and all relationships I've ruined, I don't deserve that. Because I look at that and think, man, God, you have the perfect thing going on there. Bringing me in ruins that because I'm bringing lots of selfishness, lots of arrogance, lots of pride, lots of deceit. I'm bringing that in and he invites me anyways. He says, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So I'm going to just set this up real quick. This talk is really going to lead in well to the talk on serving that you're going to get in a couple weeks. Todd's going to be coming up here and giving that. But what we're going to see here is that Jesus is saying that your greatest method of participating in his mission of world redemption is to show the world a community changed by him. Your best possible method of letting your lost friends, your friends that don't know who Jesus is, who you're worried about, who you've prayed about, your best method of, of drawing them into what Jesus is offering is letting them see you live a changed life with us. Because that's what people are just hoping for. Where can I find someone who will accept me for me? And I get that you're telling me Jesus does, but what about somebody else? What about somebody here? And that's what we get to offer. He says in the next verse, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. That word glory is, talk, is, is, is a word that really uh, it can be defined as the splendor. So putting on something that looks just splendid in, in clothing, and God is offering to put that on us. He's saying, look, this relationship I have is literally can be described as glorious. The, the, the perfect relationality of the, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit together, loving and supporting each other perfectly. He's saying, this is perfect, this is splendid, and I'm inviting you in, have a taste of something splendid not just with them but with each of us that we can have a relationship that has been transformed by jesus with each other why is this oneness this connecting together requisite for the world to know jesus because a fractured church can't restore broken families You see a broken family looks at a fractured church that doesn't like each other, doesn't hang out together, doesn't know each other. They're playing the game and they look at that and say, they can't help us because they're as fractured and broken as we are. A fractured church can't offer solutions to suffering people because if they see nothing but further suffering of people gossiping and slandering and and, and talking about each other and playing games, they look at that and say, that's only more suffering a fractured church displays a fractured God. So our display when we live in fractured community where we don't really invest in each other and we're not really honest with each other, what we're displaying is that's what God's relationship is like. And that is wrong. So the world looks at a a fractured church and thinks, man, their God must not be really good at relationships if they are so bad at it. Only in the community that comes from Jesus can we point to him. So then the question that naturally comes out of that is, so why do we see so much meanness, so much hatred, and so so many broken down inside of the church? A specific question that's a soapbox of mine is, why are Sundays the worst days to work in a restaurant if that's supposed to be true? And it's because the Church people have often prioritized differently than Jesus did. So Jesus prioritizes community. He says that is the platform for how you tell others about me. That's the platform for how you can be on this mission. And instead, we prioritize lots of other things. The rules and the the way people should act and what should be and what shouldn't. We prioritize all kinds of other things. And he's saying, no, no, no. Your starting platform is how you treat each other. So let's look at how. I want to turn to another section of Scripture, and we're going to talk about how. So we're going to see here the the why. Jesus says we have to do this. This is a a must, a foundational issue for us as a church. Connecting is not optional. There is no individual Christianity. It is always communal inside of of Scripture. So let's turn to to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13 at the very beginning. We're going to go through this quickly. He says in verse, uh, the, the first couple of verses, 11, 12, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. All right, quick lesson uh, on, on roles for what, what pastors are called to do. Pastors are called to equip the church so that everyone in the church can minister. Okay, so that, that's, that's how this works, right? Equipping is supposed to happen where there's pouring in and investing so that all of us together can minister. To the world, minister to each other. This is all Jesus followers. And so he describes this as the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul tells us this is the community that is found in a local church. That's what the oneness is supposed to look like, is an actual body of people, so that we exist as if we were one person. We together. All right, so I wanted to give you a little like uh, uh, something to, to help you understand what that would look like. Then, okay, has anybody in here ever been walking through your house and hit your pinky toe on the side of something? <laughs> yeah, you're probably already having to repent again because you already thought of the words you said. Um, so, so like, yeah, that's like that's death, right? I mean, you feel like your whole body's falling apart. So it's not like if you do that, you look down and be like, man, I bet that hurt my pinky toe. <laughs> Woo! Glad I'm not him. No, your whole body feels that one. <laughs> that, you feel that one like in the back of your head. You're like, ah! You know? Right? Anybody ever stepped on a Lego? Oh, man. You know, I've, I've never wanted to curse my children, but that gets you close. <laughs> or you're, I, mean, I mean, that hurts. That feel, I mean, those things were designed as objects of torture, and somehow they found out how to play with them. Right? It's not like your, 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 your whole body doesn't feel that pain. Right, Your whole body experiences pain when one part of it does. And that's what Jesus is saying we're supposed to be like. What about our, our, our rejoicing? All right, so anybody in, been here, who's been to Takoyaki? Okay, yeah, been to Takoyaki, yeah. Who has had the Mexicali roll? Woo! Oh, man, that'll make you praise Jesus, okay? I, I'm just telling you that. So, so it's not like when I'm eating a cali roll, I'll, I'll st- it's, man, it's spicy crab. Oh, gosh so good sticking your mouth it's not like I'm I'm, the rest of my body my brain is thinking man I bet the mouth is really enjoying himself now that's stupid what do I get (laughs) no because my brain my whole body gets to experience the joy and gloriousness glory glory (laughs) of a maxicali roll everything gets to experience that and that's how we're supposed to be as a church That when we see somebody inside of our body, our group, our community rejoicing and getting something great, we're not envious, we're not angry, we're not jealous. We celebrate together because what benefits them benefits us. That's how this is supposed to look. And he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So you see, this is a process that all Jesus' followers must choose to participate in. Because we're all imperfect, we will even chase this imperfectly. I want you to know that I desperately desire and need community, okay? I need need people to know me, to understand me, and to help me do this thing, this trying to follow Jesus thing, because I'm not very good at it. I struggle. I have specific temptations that are hard for me. I have areas in my life where it's not easy. And I have times that I don't want to do any of these things. So I, I, I don't chase this perfectly. So even though I want it, sometimes I don't want it, right? Sometimes I have things in my life that I'm like, I don't want to talk to somebody else about it. I don't want them to be inside of this. I don't want to go through this because I'm not ready for it. I don't want. So I'm even going to chase this imperfectly. But Jesus knew this. Even when he made it the main thing. So Jesus knew my struggles with chasing community. He knew I wouldn't do it perfectly. Even when he made it the main thing for the disciples. He says in John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How's the world going to know that Jesus changes things? By the way you treat other people around you. And he knew. He knew it was going to be something that you would struggle at. And he still made it the main thing. He still made it the way that people will see the difference he makes, is in the way that we treat other people, especially those that we have chosen to be in community with. So we have no excuse not to strive for it. He says in in, in the very next part, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children. So here, we're going to go through a few verses, and I'm just going to tell you this. We're going to go through some and see what the benefit of community, of connection, of connecting with others in a real, meaningful manner. What's the benefit of that? Only in this Jesus connection can we find maturity. Now, I'm going to have some people that don't like that, and they're going to say, no, 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 I can do this on my own. And what I would say to that is there is far too many sections of Scripture that say one to each other for you to do it by yourself. You cannot practice scripture fully without others involved in your life. It's very easy to tolerate immaturity when I can't see its effect on others. You see, when I'm immature but I'm by myself, that immaturity doesn't affect anybody but me and I can, I can be okay with it. But when I see my immaturity affect those that I'm trying to live in community with, that I'm trying to connect with on a real authentic level, then that's when I'm challenged to grow. You'd be surprised how much immaturity you'll tolerate by yourself. On my own, my maturity is constrained by my own limited knowledge. In community, I gain the knowledge, wisdom, and experience of others. He says in, uh, I believe it's verse 25, Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. See, honesty is one of the most difficult areas to grow in. And it can only be grown in community. Does that make sense? Your honesty with yourself exists in some level. I mean, some, we, we talk about lying to ourselves and stuff like that. But in the end, we, we kind of know the truth, right? You can't grow in honesty until you start living in authenticity with others. It's so difficult because deception is far easier. And deception is the way of the world, right? Verse 15 actually says that we're supposed to speak the truth in love to each other. And so this is referring to accountability. Outside community, you will only conquer struggles that seem convenient. You see, because you won't be challenged by what doesn't inconvenience you. So your struggles that are convenient will remain forever until you live in community because then your convenient struggles will be seen by others and they can walk with you through that. In community, you gain the strength of others to stand against that which tempts you the most. He says next, be angry and do not sin. Do not not let the sun go down on your anger and give opportunity for the devil. Only in this Jesus connection can we find the ability to treat others well. Because if we are truly one body, when I hurt my sister, I will feel that pain too. Just like that story we talked about with with hitting your pinky toe or stepping on a Lego. If we truly build community and connection here, then I hurt when you hurt. Because that's how much I care for you. That's how much we can be doing life together. I love this next part. It says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. All right, before I go to this next statement, I love this. Because talk about a drastic shift in life. This is saying they want to take a thief and turn him into a generous giver. Okay? This is radical transformation. It's not, hey, just stop stealing things. It's stop stealing things, start working, and then give away what you earn for yourself. This is radical Jesus transformation. And only in this Jesus connection can we find the desire to gain for someone else's benefit. It is only in community that I can desire to gain for myself so that I can give to others. And you know what, the way I know this is because it's the only way that we can see the radical generosity in the early church. I'm going to read in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 45. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. All right, so these are people who are in community together. They're going out and selling their stuff and then bringing it back and finding somebody in need and saying, here, let me give this to you. This radical generosity, this this radical uh, turn away from selfishness and a desire to gain stuff for myself can only be found in a community where I care what happens to you. So where do I find this type of connection? Now that we understand, like, all right, Jesus said we need to have it. There's no such thing as individual Christianity. There's no such thing as a, a faith that honors Jesus that doesn't involve others communally, right? We get that. And we're getting the benefits of it. There's all these great things like maturity and learning how to talk to others well and, and accountability and all this stuff. Like Those are great benefits from this connection. But where do I find it? If you're in this room, your question should be, where do I find that here? I'm at public church at a 930 gathering. Where do I find that community? You'll get a taste of it inside of these gatherings and our events. Here I'm hoping that you find people that will welcome you, love you, and get to know you. There's something actually really special I want to talk about for the event stuff. If you're a middle school or high school student, there's some amazing opportunities for you this summer. We have Okoe Outreach, which is a local mission, and you can come and participate in that with our student ministries. Uh, and in fact, I think I saw, yeah, we got Brie and Austin and Tim. We have them right here, and they would love to talk to you about it. That's a way to come and serve, and I promise you that is a, uh, uh, it's like connection on, uh, on, on speed, right? Because it is a, a pressure cooker for building relationships. When you're hanging out for an extended few days and you're getting to, to work together and, and accomplish something together and then goof off and see each other's uh, mistakes and stuff like that, that, that really speeds up connection process. Another one for them is they have beach camp coming up. It's on the, the 4th of July week, and that's going to be amazing. To, and that's another opportunity that's going to really ramp up this chance to build relationships. That's what we're about with this. And, I, I I'm, man, I'm just – I wish – you would sign up on our app because it's going to be incredible. If you're a guest with us today, these places, the the gatherings that we have in our kickball tournament, some of these other events that we do, are where you can see the beginning of some of us imperfect people striving for the oneness that Jesus desires for us. So this is where you get a taste of it. This is where you get to see it in action. This is where you get to to be a a, a spectator for what is supposed to be happening in community. But where where you're going to find some of these closer connections, this real community, these people that are really going to know me and I'm really going to know them, and when they hurt, I'm going to hurt, and when they rejoice, I'm going to rejoice. Where do you find that? We've invested that a lot to make that happen inside of community groups. We have a lot of community groups meeting already that would love to have you. So we had you fill out the survey so we can know how best to serve you inside of this. We're launching a new one in a couple of weeks, actually. I'm really excited about this. We, uh, you guys got to celebrate with us with the butlers. We're going to be having a, a community group that's going to meet at their house and at the Sykes house together. And they're going to have lots of room for kids and playing and all this stuff. And they're going to have community together because they desperately One specific a challenge that I have for you today is if, if you were in here, maybe you filled out the app, maybe you didn't, and you're saying, I am not in a community group. I'm not in one. I, don't, I haven't done that. I haven't joined one. And, and I'm sure, I'm, please don't hear me shaming you. There are lots of great reasons why you haven't joined one yet. Maybe you felt not ready. Maybe you didn't know what to do. Maybe you didn't know which one. Maybe you didn't think there was one that was for you. I want to give you a specific challenge. If you are not in real authentic community inside of a community group here at public church, I beg you to email our office. Just say something along the lines of, I need a community group and I don't know where to start. And we would love to walk through that with you. And just joining a group, you can still go in there and practice lots of deception. You can put on a great show and pretend that you've got it all figured out. And that will not help you at all. So my challenge to you during this time of worship is I want to ask you to decide to be vulnerable. Decide to open up and be real and say, I am broken and I need other people to help me in my brokenness. launching pad for missions and for all of this. This is the launching pad for how we do this life together is by being authentic together. Jesus, call us to authenticity. Forgive us what we've put on great shows pretending to be more than we are. Draw us to you this morning and convict us to live in community because you never Created this life to be done alone. You saved us to the church. Let us invest in it. Let us live radically changed lives together.